Family. We all have one. We all love one. And sometimes we all struggle with one. Chuck Swindoll on the upcoming 2012 Insight for Living Cruise to Alaska. I can't think of a better way to re-engage and connect with your family than spending a full week together exploring, adventuring, laughing, digging into the scriptures for practical wisdom on family matters. And all of that on the backdrop of God's majestic creation. The theme of the Summer Vacation Conference to Alaska, Cultivating Your Family's Pioneer Spirit, June 30th through July 7th, 2012. Step into the quaint seaside villages of that wild frontier. Create a world of memories you'll never forget. The Insight for Living Summer Cruise to Alaska. For more information or to request a brochure, call 1-888-447-0444. That's 1-888-447-0444. Or online, insight.org slash events. Alaska, the summer destination for you and for your family. The Insight for Living Tour to Alaska is paid for and made possible by only those who choose to attend. Before you construct your dream home, it's essential to consult a skilled draftsman who precisely chooses the dimensions and gives you a complete rendition of the finished project. And in like manner, when a bride and groom step up to the altar to begin their lives together, it's critically important to consult the one who invented the institution of marriage. Today on Insight for Living, you'll hear the very first message in what's become a classic series over the years. We're drawing from the archives of Chuck Swindoll's messages to enjoy this celebrated series titled Strike the Original Match. To begin, let's consult the architect. When we think of institutions, we often think of the definition of that. Uh, they are places where delinquent, defective, and dependent people need help. Uh, they are places to stay away from society. This could well describe the institute of marriage today. Think about it. An arrangement to pair together delinquent, defective, and dependent people, not for a lifetime, but, well, merely for a time. For many marriages, this definition is all too true. But you know what? It doesn't have to describe your marriage. The institution of marriage has fallen on hard times. You and I know that divorce rates are soaring. Men and women alike are testing the marriage waters by first living together. And to say nothing about society's attempts to redefine marriage to include same-sex couples. But marriage is a divinely designed institution. And so if marriage is to thrive in an increasingly hostile culture, it only makes sense that we first consult the architect of marriage, and that's God himself. My Bible is open to Genesis chapter 2, I want to read for you verse 18 and then verses 21 through 25. Listen to God's word. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. 
So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and were not ashamed. And now, Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. By wisdom... A house is built, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Well, with that introduction, let's continue with the message that Chuck Swindoll has titled, Let's Consult the Architect. For six Sundays, I want to speak on the first divine institution, marriage. The word divine suggests that it is ordained and established by God. The word institution, according to Webster, means a place that cares for defective, delinquent, and dependent persons. And so when we speak of a divine institution, we're speaking of something that needs attention. All joking aside, however, a divine institution is a principle that is ordained and established by God for the purpose of preserving and protecting the entire human race. There are three of them clearly set forth in Scripture. First, there is marriage, and second, there is the family, and third, there is government. Those three are the major institutions that God has established to help care for our world. Now, as we begin this series, I would like to make several words of introduction to start things off right. First of all, I want it to be known that though this series will especially be for the married or those just about to be, we are not forgetting you that are not yet married or have been married and now are not. I have found that every time we have a chance to take in divine truth, it is profitable. It is beneficial. For some of you, it will be a preview of coming attractions. For some of you, it will be a review of where you have failed and where you might rebuild and restore a very important area or areas of your life. So do not underestimate your importance as a single person or as a career woman or as a younger one not yet married. This is the very best preparation I can think of to set your heart on the things that should be established before and if God should call you into a marriage union. The second area I'd like to develop is that this will be essentially a biblical study. 
If you know much about bookstores today, you know that especially in Christian bookstores, the shelves are lined with books on the family and the home. I have looked into some of these shelves. In fact, in some bookstores, I've looked through every book. And I have been amazed at how few of them are essentially biblical studies. To be sure, they are not set out to be in some cases. We have good philosophy. We have good psychology. We have good logic. We have a lot of stories and narratives and devotionals and experiences. But I keep saying as I read through these good books by good men who believe in the good book, where are the passages that verify your point? And so, as in the case of the study on you and your child, we will draw everything we have to say of significant import from the Bible. So be sure that you have your Bible with you morning and evening. And if you haven't a copy, use the one in the pew or get a Bible so that you can follow along with meaning. Now, the third area I would like to clarify is that throughout the series, I will draw upon my own marriage, not because it is perfect. As I told my wife this morning, I haven't been a perfect husband very long, and so it takes a while to develop <laughs> certain illustrations. If she were here, she would laugh along with you. She's home with four sick children this morning. However, I'd like to hasten to add that it is the only marriage that I really know in depth. And I am just now beginning to discover what it's all about. And uh, frankly, it is amazing to me, first, that she's still with me, and second, that God has been so gracious as to teach us some very hard and important lessons. Our marriage is not a model marriage. Our home is not the perfect home. It is a home filled with six sinners. It is a home that has all the built-in possibilities of fracture and uh, divorce. But it is a home where, hopefully, God's grace is abounding and we are learning how to live happily and in harmony with one another. We do not have a perfect home. So I'll be sharing honestly with you failures and lessons and experiences that will help you know that you don't have to be perfect to have a Christian home. Now, the fourth area that I want to clarify is that uh, we're approaching this subject as though we are remodeling a house into a home. And you know that it's expensive. We'll be talking tonight about what are some of the costs of remodeling and wear your steel-toed shoes tonight, for sure. We'll be talking directly about issues that demand paying the price. And I hope that you will hear me out before you react, because it all fits into a full picture that is incomplete just in one Sunday or one message or one or two put together. So I've given thought to how it might go together. We're going to first of all choose the plans, consulting the architect this morning, dealing with the cost tonight. Then the following Sunday, we're going to lay a foundation. We're going to talk about the role of husband and wife. Next Sunday, we're going to order the materials, the bricks that build a marriage. And then in the evening, uh, to watch out for certain substitutes that look like the real thing, but they're phony. Then we're going to uh, talk about why the honeymoon ends, why it doesn't continue. Then we're going to build the structure the following Sunday and the, even the next Sunday morning after that. We're going to talk about termites in your trough. We're going to talk about how to have a good fight. If you're going to have one, you ought to have a good one. And then we're going to deal with the problem of until debt do us part. 
And then we'll be building on the foundation of buying some insurance on how to stay together when the kids are gone. Or don't just get older, get better, and how to warm an empty nest. Now, after that series, if there are questions, I don't have the answers, so you'll have to go to one another beyond that. I'll tell you all I know and then some. I'll share with you things. I'll share with you things that I'm not now practicing, as well as some things that uh, I have found to work. But all the way through, the Bible will be our guide. So let's get into it. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2 is what is called by the theologians the passage of primary reference on the subject of marriage. It ought to be a part of every Christian's hermeneutic or his science of interpretation that when he goes to the Bible for information, he goes, first of all, to the first reference and then builds his case. If we were studying the subject of sin, we would go to Genesis 3, where it first starts. We're studying the home, so we go to Genesis 2, where the family first begins. And let me state a need, because God deals with the need in the case of Adam in verse 18. The real need today for this series is evident before us. Uh, Dr. George Maser of the USC Medical School said that the happily married couple is an oddity, is an exception rather than the rule. And because of negligence or inappropriate responses, we have developed a world that is aching in the home. Let's take off all the masks this morning. Some of those homes are represented in the pews of this church. The best-kept secret in this church is the hardship and hurt of your home. Very few people really know how hard it is right now to live in harmony with your mate or with your parents or with your children. It is a terribly a a deep ache, this world of ours, as far as the home is concerned. Uh, I travel a little bit, and I rub shoulders with missionaries, with other pastors, with many congregations, and I discover that it's not any different, whether it's in the New, the, the New England area or the Southeast or our own area or the Midwest. All over, homes are hurting, and the need is great. So through this series, I hope you won't suffer from a bruised elbow. <laughs> Don't spend your time punching your mate saying, listen, honey, he's talking to you. And don't plan to say on the night I talk about a good fight, honey, you go tonight because that's your problem. I'll stay home with the children. We're talking about your problem, your marriage and your part in the marriage. For that really is where a great part of the answer rests. God said to Adam in verse 18, It is not good for you to be alone. Chapter 2, verse 18 is the first time in all the Bible something is not good. Did you know that? God has made the world and it's good. He makes the stars and the sun and the moon and it's good. He separates the light from darkness and the land from the sea and it's very good. The sea is swarming with creatures and little plants begin to bud and uh, vegetation begins to cover the earth with green. And God says it's very good. And then man is made and God says something is not good. 
That reminds me of two very practical and uh, human answers to the creation of man and woman. One is the man's view, the other is the woman's view. Are you ready? The woman's view of creation is this. God made the man and looked at him. And he said, I could do better than that. And he made the woman. (laughs) Now, man's view is God made the beasts and man, and then he rested. And then he created the woman. And neither beast nor man nor God have rested ever since. (laughs) Now, I want to put your mind at ease. Neither one is biblical. But there seems to be more evidence of the second than the first, I might add. I'll get the letters this week, I'm sure. It's not good for man to be alone. The aloneness of man is bad, says God. In fact, the negative in the Hebrew sentence is highly emphatic. Not good, this aloneness of man. The word for aloneness is the word for isolation. It's a barren word. There was a part of Adam that's missing. There is an area of his life that is incomplete, said God. And God had made man. The perfect holy God had formed from a ball of mud the man. And having made him, he looked at him and he said, there's something missing. There's an isolation about him that isn't good. There is a part that needs to be complete. And you know the story. God came to his rescue in verse 18 and he said, I will make him a helper suitable for him. That's such a great improvement on the the archaic translation, I will make him a helpmeet. The very first word to describe the woman, and we'll look more deeply into it in the messages to come, is the word helper. It's a word that means to assist another one to his complete fulfillment. It's the idea of coming in and helping so that it is a suitable part of that other life. Or counterpart. If you love music and you know something about it, at times the, comp- the composer will place a, an obligato or a counter melody in the, in the text. And the music flows along and suddenly there comes in a completing part of the strain until finally you, you are almost unaware of the counterpart because its single force is to help promote the major theme of the composition. That's the scene here. God made the woman so that as a counterpart and as a suitable helper, he might be complete. And in that experience, as a matter of fact, she isn't in slavery. She is very free. It is an experience known by very few in this world today. Or so many feel that real freedom is doing your own thing, your own way. Few things are more enslaving. God designs it such a way that both find marvelous fulfillment when they fit together in this harmonious bond. Now look down at verse 21. He said, I will make a helper suitable for him. And so he caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. Here is the first surgery. God puts him to sleep. And then it says he takes one of his ribs 
And he closes up the flesh at that place and he fashions, circle that word in your mind, he fashions into a woman the rib. This word literally means build or rebuild. He restores the rib into a living thing. He opens the chest of Adam and he pulls out a rib and he closes it up without a scar, apparently, from the way it reads. And then in that unblemished body, God, with that rib in his hand, as it were, turns that rib into a restoration of something that flourishes. That's the Hebrew thought. This thing becomes alive and he builds into this woman the parts missing in the man. And it says in that same verse, he brought her to the man. It's one of the most moving verses in all the chapter. Adam in his need, just recovering from surgery, looks up. And there is the missing part. And he looks at this woman and he says in verse 23, this is now bone of my bones. The Living Bible says, this is it, exclaimed Adam. Today we would say, right on. <laughs> All right, that's the one. It's the idea of this individual is what I need. And she is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. I can't believe he said it without embracing her. Maybe that's the romanticism in me. But I don't think Adam stood there and says, she is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. <laughs> I really believe Adam was moved over it and he held her close. And to think that God would take part of him and make her and turn that into some restored, beautiful part that he had lived without. You've got to spend a few years alone to know the misery of it completely. And I want to hasten to say that uh, for 20 years of my life, uh, I didn't know really the first thing about a Christian home. Aside from what I'd witnessed, I had had in my own spirit very little preparation for the sharing of a, of a home and a, a life with a mate. And God graciously knew the kind of person it ne that I needed to fulfill me. I knew there was an emptiness but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it would take. I didn't know enough to know what I didn't know, if you know what I mean. That's real ignorance, not knowing what you don't know. And God brought the woman to me I was to have, and he fitted her into my life so that I am honest before you. There has come to pass a development in my life that would never have been possible apart from her. Some of the delightful benefits and insights you enjoy from Scripture have come indirectly from her to you through me. So much of what you will be hearing, I must say, from a human point of view, I am grateful to her for teaching them to me. And I am discovering through this period of time we're calling our marriage relationship that <laughs> it is one learning experience after another. It is just moving from one series of conflicts which we encounter and then deal with to the next series. And through the period of time, God graces us with children, a ministry with people like you, and a home and all the delights of marriage. So I understand it when he says, this is it. This is the one. And now verse 24, for this cause a man shall leave his father and his mother 
and shall cleave to his wife. The Hebrew word means to glue or to glue oneself. It's a bond. For this reason, the man and the woman will be bonded together with a permanent glue. And it says in the last part of verse 24, they shall become one flesh. As we venture into this practical subject, building a strong marriage, it's essential to consult the architect. And that's the title of Chuck Swindoll's message today on Insight for Living. His presentation is the very first in the 14-part classic series, Strike the Original Match. So now's a good time to place your order for the CDs. You'll love having this practical study in your personal collection. It would make a thoughtful wedding or anniversary gift for a young couple as well. For the classic CD series, Strike the Original Match, call 1-800-772-8888 if you're listening in the United States. Or go online to insightworld.org. The Bible teaches that each of us should serve as ambassadors for Christ. And whenever questions arise, we should be prepared to give an answer to everyone with gentleness and respect. But when the tough questions come our way, sometimes it's intimidating, and we're not quick enough on our feet to come up with the right response. Well, Insight for Living has produced a brand new resource printed in the popular Passport format. It's called Answers for the World's Tough Questions Passport. And if you've never contacted Insight for Living, we'd like to give you a free copy. If you're listening in the United States, ask for the free passport when you call 1-800-772-8888. And when you give a donation today... We'll say thank you by providing the brand new Insights Handbook of New Testament Backgrounds. If you're reading the New Testament with us this year, or if you're looking to unveil some of the mysterious references to cultural first century traditions, you'll love having this handbook in your collection. It's yours when you give a donation of any amount. We rely on the donations of men and women just like you to make these daily studies possible. Thank you for giving generously today. For the handbook and to give a donation, call 1-800-772-8888 if you're listening in the United States. And online, go to insight.org. I'm Dave Spiker. Monday, you'll hear Chuck Swindoll's classic series on marriage, Strike the Original Match on Insight for Living. The preceding message, Let's Consult the Architect, was copyrighted in 1975 and the sound recording was copyrighted in 2012 by Charles R. Swindoll, Inc. All rights are reserved worldwide.